0: podcast with your host alpha mike and our roster of co-hosts we patrol america's law enforcement beat we invite you today on a ride-along now here's your weekly briefing So 7575, I'm your host, Alpha Mike, on Raider Cup Nation, and we are featuring the last of the series in Concealed Carry. And we, we're looking forward to this one because we're going to talk about the how. The how talks about the tactical mechanism of Concealed Carry. The how basically is... Th- the series or the episode that gives you the winning recipe in case you ever get involved in a shootout. How do I know? Because consistency in training is one of the elements that let people tell the story after the engagement. And that's what we want you to do. Finish the engagement and then tell the story. So we got a lot to cover, as always. But uh, before we get into that, I want to dive into a little bit of a background on where where we are in the series. Again, six part series. This is part six. So we're gonna we're gonna look at the the other five components that go along with uh, this one show. So it will allow us to go ahead and and understand and have a better grip on on this episode. Doing the episode from the standing position, uh, bum leg, uh, my left knee's been out. That was one of the reasons why I retired in law enforcement. Couldn't overcome that injury, and uh, kind of re-injured it cutting the grass. Nothing, nothing major, but it a little bit of pain, discomfort, and swelling. And so in the sitting position, I've noticed that, you know, especially when you're doing the podcast, you're doing the research, you might be in a sitting position for quite a while when you get up. it uh, It's a little discomfort, discomforting, trying to straighten out the, the knee and so forth. And it sounds like Rice Krispies, the commercial. And uh, so to avoid that, um, at the standing position, and might be might be the new position to do the podcast. I'm starting to to enjoy it. Of course, we feature today the superhero is Kilo Sierra, and he's going to bring his expertise on this subject on considering concealed carrying and and the how how do I carry concealed carry. Now, looking at the five other episodes we we discussed. Who should carry? That was the first episode. And we kind of identified people. We, we, we dived into the age, you know, uh, 18 as an adult versus 21, people that might have post-traumatic syndrome, people that have other maybe mental illnesses. Is that really protected on the heaper and where the conflict comes in? And most importantly... Some states that have actual licenses of concealed carry, and some that no. As long as you are a legal resident and a law-abiding citizen, you're free to carry. We also kind of talked a little bit about uh, the concealed carry over the uh, open carry. So in the how, and we also and the, and we also dived into medical marijuana, and does that impair you from carrying, and You know, we did talk about that that is the legal lawsuits in the future that are heading that way. Of course, as we know, the Bolshevik liberals always looking for a good lawyer so they can sue, 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 throw mud at the subject. And their main and only purpose is destroy the Second Amendment. A lot of people will advocate and say, no, no, no. that's not what we want to do. We don't want to destroy it. We just want to control it. Well, that's the same as destroying it. Forefathers wrote several sentences in that Second Amendment, and I don't know about you, but I don't need Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to interpret what those two sentences are. The right to bear arms, bear arms mean you can carry them, Shall not be infringed. <laughs> okay, so that ca- that that covers that. Now we're going to dive into the second episode that we had on the series, and that dealt with the what. What should people be carrying? What 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 type of um, semi-automatic versus revolver? Other type of weaponry. Maybe it's a knife. Maybe it's a tactical baton. OC spray and we talked about we talked about in the uh, semi-automatic field because we're specifically talking about firearms the subcompact of the mini compact the subcompact the full duty all these different sizes weapons are becoming more powerful and a lot smaller and therefore there's a lot of options out there but what we did come up with what whatever you choose as your everyday carry you should be comfortable in now there is seasonal carry depending on the season you might be able to get away with dealing with full duty especially in the cold season where you have a heavy overcoat on you might be able to wear the full duty but whatever your decisions are it's based on your training your aptitude your skill and your knowledge with that weapon and getting ready for the engagement, as we said. Number three took us to the where. Where should I carry? And we did talk about some legal aspects as far as carrying. Of course, uh, you're not allowed to carry in in most, if not all, of the states and within uh, public buildings or government buildings and uh, police stations and so forth. And you definitely can't carry in any federal institutions as well. Even the post office is a no-no as they have the little signs printed out front. We talked about the power of the no trespassing sign and how a lot of carry concealed permit holders like to keep on walking past it and saying, oh, is that a silhouette of a Beretta? Well, that's not me because I'm not carrying a Beretta today. Ha, ha, ha. But... In a, in a situation when it does break out, and God forbid it does, and you're there and you've chosen to ignore that sign, there is going to be some, some issues legally that are going to come your way. There's just, you just can't play stupid. So uh, keeping that in mind, we also talked about in that series, The Where, where uh, We advocated for gun insurance, and we're going to have a podcast on that in the near future. But we we think it's so important for you to have an insurance plan. It's part of your self defense plan. Now, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to buy a gun, and then that gun is going to get me ready for my self defense, which it is, of course. If you choose the method of your defense to be a gun, then Guess what? You're gonna need a gun. So that is part of it. Training is another part. What type of gun is another part? What type of rounds? What kind of holster? How do you shoot in stressful positions? And most importantly, the aftermath, if that ever happens, what you have to be prepared for. And that's why legal insurance the professionals and not some quack down the down the down the block and around the corner. That uh, selling wolf tickets that he'll get you off the uh, the criminal charges. That's not what we're talking about. We're looking at uh, you know professional organizations like the NRA, the USCCA, Legal Shield, and so forth. That they are professionals when it comes to dealing with that type of uh, legal service for gun permit holders. That's the aftermath. That's the debriefing part. That's the part that they're going to try to sue you. Remember the Bolshevik lawyer? There he is with his with his funny little hat, his bow tie, and his umbrella, and he's headed towards the court. The lawyer, and the lawyer's going to put it to you. He's going to sue you for everything he got because that's part of the liberal game. So there, it's to stress out legal carriers. So unfortunately... You might not have had to do this 30, 40 years ago, but guess what? Yeah. Time to wake, wake up and smell the coffee. This is what it is today. Now, we uh, punched into number, that was one, two, three, four, why. Why do you carry? Now, when we did why, the, the, the most important part of the why, we discussed that why is a personal choice. The person is basically saying, well, I carry because I believe in the Second Amendment, or I carry because I feel that uh, I need to defend myself, but I I also believe in some type of restrictions. Believe it or not, there are some of those people out there that they believe in in carrying, but then they, 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 they... they want to put a bunch of restrictions, you know. You can't have so many rounds. Your gun can't be so big. It's amazing. But they do exist. So, well, we've looked at the who, what, where, when, and we're defining the when to carry as your personal choice. When the carry also is a part of your assessment of the day. Where are you going? If you're going to court, Well, obviously, you're not walking into a courtroom anytime soon with a gun on you. So you need to have a provisional plan. And in that series, we discussed the possibility that you need to invest in some type of safe system in your vehicle. In case, for whatever reason, that wasn't your plan of the day, but you've got to go somewhere and they're not going to allow you to have your gun on you. Well, guess what? Under the seat is not the best place to put it. You need a safe system inside your vehicle that you can go ahead and safely store it in there. Of course, I was having situational awareness. When you disarm yourself, who's looking, who might be watching you doing this and the safety aspect that comes with it. So the when is a personal choice and it comes with also an added responsibility. The why, why do I carry? Well, the why and the when kind of answer each other. But the why... More importantly, as we were discussing before, the, the why is, number one, because the forefathers of this great country, they placed in the Constitution the ability for you and for me to carry a firearm. As a result of that, I was chosen by them because I'm a law law abiding citizen that I can go ahead and carry this firearm and I would be at the ready to protect myself and or others. Could be family, could be my neighbor, it could be a stranger in a shopping mall. So I am that militia that the forefathers were talking about. So I take that pride in the Second Amendment and... There's where I fit in that role as well. Today, we are going to take uh, the, the big stab at the how. And how is more, as I said in the beginning, of a technical matter. How do I carry? Okay. What position? Uh, what type of holster? How do I train? And am I ready for the engagement? When that holster comes out, when that holster comes out, excuse me, when that gun comes out of that holster, there is no rethinking the position. Because if the bad guy is pointing at you with a gun and you're a slow thinker, well, you know the rest. So the how, we will dive into it with our superhero guest, Kilo Sierra, later on today now how do you get in contact with raider cop nation everybody wants to know well first of all the best thing you could do is go to raidercopnation.com raidercopnation.com when you go there there's all kind con- you scroll all the way down to the bottom and the these icons pop up and it takes you to our twitter account and our youtube and facebook and all that other stuff And there you can engage with us. And we actually believe that that's a good thing. Because we don't want, we're mentoring out there. That's what we're doing. We're mentoring to those that listen. And there are quite a few out there. And we are very appreciative because we know your time is important. But we are mentoring you. That's why you're listening and you like what you hear. I'm a firm believer in any session that you go to in training. There is no wasted time from signing in to signing out in that training session. There's something that you could take home and put in your educational toolbox. And it's the same as the podcast. There is something that you could take back from that podcast. And speaking of podcast, I want to do a shameless plug for the person that motivated me in law enforcement. The name of the podcast is One Tough Podcast, and the host of that show is Bo Diddle. Bo Diddle, when I was a kid, I, I must have been 12 or 13 years old, growing up in New York City, was a cop. And at that time, he uh, had a few years on on him as a as a, as a anti-crime police officer. In the New York City Police Department, and I lived in what was the confines of the 110th Precinct on 43rd Avenue. I lived on 44th Avenue, so from my window, the back my back window of my home, I could actually see the front of the precinct house. And boy, do I have stories on that! So, as a as a young child, coming home one night, made it, it was a school school day. I know that. And I uh, was with my next-door neighbor, Nestor, and uh, another kid from the block named Raymond. And Nestor was a little older than me. He, he must have been around, uh, at that time, maybe 17, 16, 17. Raymond might have been a year older than me, maybe 14, 15. And uh, I, was a shrimp, I was a shrimp in the group. And uh, we were coming back from basketball. There was a park in our area in New York City and Queens that we lived in called Broadway Park. And that was done in the section of Elmhurst. And we were at, we lived actually on the border of Elmhurst and Corona. And as we were walking home one night, I, I kind of figured it might have been 9 p.m. or so. And on the top of the confines of the 110th Precinct on 43rd Avenue, on the top of the block there, there was a watering hole. What the hell is a watering hole, Alpha? Well, it's a place where people drink alcoholic beverage, beverages. They're usually it a bar. But a watering hole is very special because every cop in the precinct lives in there, some of them even on duty, especially during that era. And as we're walking by the neighborhood watering hole of the 110th precinct confines. Um as soon as we pass, were a bunch of cops out there like every night, you know, some were on duty, some weren't. They were double and triple parked in front of the bar as usual. Um, we walked past, dribbling our basketball. So these guys come out and and um so these guys they come out of the taxi um what they call in New York is gypsy cab. It's not like the regular yellow cab. And they came out of the gypsy cab. They were undercover cops. You know, they were dressed in civilian clothes. So one of the cops says, hey, what are you kids doing? Where are you going? So we told him he just came from Broadway Park playing, you know, late basketball. Was so They put a light system in there, and we got nets. So he looked at us, you know, what school do you go to? And at the time, I went to, St. Bart's. And he asked my friend, he told him the school he went to, which was a private school also. Raymond was a flunky, he went to public school. And so he basically said, all right, listen, I'm going to tell you, what, I don't even know who you kids are, but if I see you in the freaking neighborhood doing something wrong, you're going to get it. So I said, all right, fine. So a couple days later, I, I I see him again. And I asked a friend of mine that I, that I knew, um uh, I go, hey, you you know who that cop is? I mean, is he is he a cop for real? And he goes, oh yeah, 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 that that's Bo, and uh, because he lived right next to the precinct, and he's he's always getting involved in something, and for maybe the next year or so, I would see him occasionally, and I'd say hi, and he'd reply, what's up or whatever. Uh, later on, Bo becomes somewhat of a uh, New York City police celebrity. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. He he solved some real major cases in New York City. And he went on to leave police service for about 15 years. He broke his leg or something jumping out of a plane. And uh, he, he was zero to 100. So if you you kind of figure that out. And uh, instead of doing a desk assignment, he quit and he opened up his own business, a private investigation, and uh, doing very well for himself. He later got involved in movies, came out in the movies Goodfella and a bunch of other movies, and now he has his podcast. And recently, he he uh, ran for mayor of the city of New York, but he lost. So the reason I'm in, uh, I was in law enforcement, was Bo, and uh, he told me to keep my nose clean. I did. And you never know the little interaction that you have with the community and kids, how it can affect them? It affected me because I thought it was so cool the, the crap he was doing. I go, look at this guy. He's in a freaking taxi. Look at him. He got long hair and a beard. Look at the. I think one day I think I saw him in a garbage uniform, sanitation uniform or something. So he was doing his thing, and uh, I I I liked what he was selling. And I, I hooked into that at a very early age, and the rest is history. Now I'm retired with a bum luck doing a podcast myself. So we uh, will write in the show notes of Bo's podcast a word to the wise for those that are listening that want to listen to Bo's podcast. There is some potty mouthing there. Bo is Bo. And if you hear his podcast, you figure that out real quick. And he pulls no punches, and he talks about body parts a lot, and he definitely talks about his upbringing and the people he grew up with, and you'll be very interested to know who those people are because you will know who they are. So that's my recommendation. One tough podcast, it's called, with Bo Diddle. Now it's time for the leadership quote of the podcast. You like our new theme song for the leadership quote of the day? We try, you know, we do our thing here. But here we go. Bravery is not the absence of fear but action in the face of fear and there you have it the leadership quote of the day leadership is about many things and one of them is being courageous all right we're 23 minutes into the podcast, and we got a lot to talk about. I don't want to waste any more time. And here's our guest, our superhero. Yes, the man himself, the range master, the investigator. Clicking away every second is valuable. We need to get that information. Let's waste no more time. It's time for Kilo Sierra. <laughs> Yes, folks. Kilo Sierra, welcome to the show again, buddy. Good morning, buddy. How are you today? We are enthusiastic about this last part of the series on the how to carry. We have optimistically told the audience that our expert will be here, which is you. And Why, we you. are going to dive into <laughs> how in the world should I carry a concealed yes. weapon in today's 2019 and beyond.
1: Yes. Well, the, the um, one of the first things that I've actually mentioned uh, before is the type of holster that you carry and the size. We mentioned that in the previous show. Yes. Where, uh, the the the, the uh, right from the nutshell, right from the beginning, you need to carry a firearm that a you're proficient with. Um, and and B uh, carry it in a in a quality holster and we talked about how important though that was in prior shows because if, if I carry a gun that looks really nice and it's really tiny and it's great but I can't hit the broadside of a barn with it then, then that's not really exactly. uh, a smart thing to do exactly. Uh, and if the, if the, if the, the uh, holster is not quality or if it's uncomfortable or if it, if it pops, if, it, if you decided to draw the weapon and the holster decides to come with it. So these are things that training is essential where you need to figure out first and foremost, A, that the weapon you're proficient with and B, which holster is comfortable uh, and for you and with a quality holster. So that that those are two elements that are are really key before you even decide to carry. Um, and we mentioned that before.
0: And we did talk about it in the last episodes. Uh, we talked about the holster and having that good fit. now you want to try to get a holster, that really that the weapon fits in nicely there's a there's a retention in other words exactly. you have to have some type of effort to take the weapon out because god forbid you get into a fisticuffs you exactly. might have a gun on the floor now
1: and yes, that's right not good and i'm a wholehearted uh, believer in training 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 so that's when uh, when I teach, for example, when I teach the, uh, the off-duty law enforcement officer, it's a class I, I made and I actually teach it. I teach it at ILFE um, and, uh, and I, I teach it uh, here in New Jersey. I insist that the students come with different types of holsters for the class because you'd rather know which holsters are great versus, versus which holsters are not so great. Right. Uh, right. During training, not during a, 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 an actual live interaction. Right. Um, right. And, and, and that's key. And, and, and it's very important that you need to, to, and you cannot skimp on a holster. Now, I, I'm not Mr. Name Brand or anything. I, I'm a practical person, but there are certain things that you cannot skimp. And definitely, when it comes to this topic, you cannot skimp on holsters. Now, cannot. We,
0: we mentioned it in one of our last podcasts that if you're an active gun lover like we are, you're going to have mm-hmm. multiple, if not hundreds, of holsters
1: yes yes and it's incumbent on the individual to do their homework and 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 to figure out which holsters you know uh depends on the kind of draw like if you if you're a cross draw person what kind of holster if you're a middle of the back person what kind of holster for that if you carry a fanny pack if you carry an ankle holster it all uh if you carry a shoulder holster it all Mm -hmm. all depends on your style um and, and how you're comfortable and how you draw it efficiently and how you train then that's the holster you carry I agree,
0: and and you should be training with that holster as well consistently.
1: That's the thing, uh, right? That that being said, um, uh, exactly. Uh, there's so many holsters and. And people that are relatively new, they'll, they'll they'll understand that. They'll be like, oh, okay, well, I have the gun now. That check that check that box. So this is the gun I'm gonna I'm gonna train with, this is the gun I'm gonna qualify with, this is the gun I'm gonna take off duty, and that's fine. But the holsters they can't make up their mind. So they oh, you know what? This fanny pack is really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, this 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 cross draw is fantastic. The ankle holster's great. It's inside the pants and outside the pants, awesome. And I can cant it forward, cant it up, cant it to the rear. Hey, whatever. So they bought like five or ten different holsters. And, and, and depending on the mood they're in, they'll say, well, you know, I won't carry it on my hip side, I'll carry it as a cross draw today. You know, I won't carry it as a cross draw today, I'll put it on my shoulder rig. I won't put it there, I'll put it on my ankle holster. So, But the problem there is that you're lacking consistency. Right. And, and that's another thing I harp on is that, well, decide how you're gonna carry it predominantly. And I, I know that the, the school of thought is, I'm a huge advocate of consistently carrying the firearm on your strong side. Yeah. Uh, wh- whether it's uh, your normal uh, inside the pant, uh, inside the waistband holster, or your a or traditional holster. But this way, um, it be- uh, becomes, in, in our terminology that we like to use muscle memory, yeah. where in an urgent situation, it becomes a reflex. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that that's, for me, that that's key because I've, I, I, I'm, I'm, I made that early mistake as a rookie when I started changing holsters and uh, I would go for training uh, and all of a sudden I switched it up and put a, a shoulder rig on and when, when, the, when the buzzer sounded, it, the gun was, mind you, in my shoulder rig, but when the buzzer sounded, I wasted a second when my strong hand went to grab it on my strong side and it wasn't there and I realized, oh, I have it on my shoulder. Yeah. And I reached for it under my armpit. So on the range, no big deal. However, on the street, it could have cost me my life.
0: Oh, yeah. One second can cost. Mm -hmm. Usually you have to always think that if, God forbid, you have to pull out your weapon in in a concealed weapon type of environment, Mm -hmm. most likely the bad guy's got to jump on you already.
1: Yes, it's reactionary. So exactly. you're
0: already at the disadvantage, so you need to know where to go to grab that gun. You've got to learn also maybe articles of clothing, how to remove it, and that should be secondary. That that, that should The mind should take over.
1: You, right, right, and, and, and depending on your environment. Right. Where you train. With, 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 and so the other thing that I do in my classes, you train... Uh, with whatever clothing you would typically wear off duty, and that's all contingent on your environment and, and the season. So if uh, up here, yeah, yeah, you have all your four seasons, then I would, I always recommend to off-duty officers or to retired officers to qualify or train. With a different, with different, uh, uh, maybe a sweater, a jacket, a vest, and for the summer, a normal shirt for having it inside the waistband. Maybe uh, if you're into fanny packs, some people like fanny packs. But whatever clothing is appropriate to assist you with, with the, your concealment effort, then regardless of whatever it is, whatever your style is, uh, polo shirts, whatever, you need to train with whatever clothing you tend to wear. Yes you know, uh, whatever it is.
0: Very good point. Let, let's let uh, backtrack a little bit and let's get into sure. the situational awareness. Now, I'm carrying a yes. gun. So as soon as I strap that weapon on me, I have to know that it's a different game now. I'm, I have to be more responsible of that weapon on me and I have to be responsible mm-hmm. for my surroundings and I'm also responsible for anybody that's with me. So exactly. is there a difference in... Carrying concealed if I'm alone versus I'm with my family?
1: Yes, it is. I, the concealment tactic is the same. However, one of the big things you have to consider, especially if with your family member, especially if you're with children, is um, it, it's a situational awareness idea. Do, do I have to get involved to begin with? Yes. And, 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 and the reason why I say that is certain states have different laws. Okay? Certain states off duty law officer, you must get involved in any way shape or form. Certain states uh, as long the, the, at, the, at the very least, you can maybe be at least a great witness if you have to witness something because you are with a family member, you don't want to put them in danger. So it's all contingent on, on where you're living at. But, but definitely on a tactical perspective, on a situational awareness perspective, you have to now consider, the most important thing is a, do, do I have to get involved? especially if I'm with children, right? you know? Yet do I need to get involved? Sometimes you have no choice because you're the one being assaulted. Correct. You know, and that sometimes, sometimes you're forced to do it. But uh, generally speaking, uh, if you're alone, it's a little easier to get involved versus if you're with a, a family member or with someone else that's not law enforcement. And th- that's first and foremost, okay, do I need to get involved and, and B, have a plan? have a plan uh yeah, so uh one of the things i'm a huge advocate of is uh, especially if you family members is uh what i call the code word you know what didn't speak code words, where something's gonna kick off and you and you being a cop uh, or be, whether you're active duty or retired you have that gut feeling you go with your gut you know something's gonna happen or you might have to get involved you might have maybe one plan is one, one of the things i teach is one plan you might want to have is that your family members? Without asking a question, will say something totally, totally off the cuff, and 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 that being so far off the cuff, they already know. Oh, wow! That means that I need to go away and call 911. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, something totally off the cuff. Where as soon as you say it, uh, they know. Oh, okay. You know, like something crazy. Like, do fish get thirsty? <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 you know, like what? Then, then they're oh, oh, oh! Wait a second. So, and they know what to do. Call nine one one. My significant other might get involved. He's an off duty or retired law enforcement. Yada yada yada. I have like a script that I teach. You know, this is what to say. And it also helps on at when you're making that phone call. Tell nine one one what your significant other is wearing.
0: Correct your description. Yes.
1: Yes. So avoid friendly fire. Exactly. Exactly,
0: and 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 we also want to talk about concealment and cover. Mm. Yes, and how important that is in that in that situation.
1: Yes, it's it's a give and take. The uh, there are many holsters that provide deep concealment, especially in their the, the uh, uh, hot months or, or, or hotter climates. Belly bands for, uh, for, is one example. The Hague T-shirt. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Kramer T-shirt is one example. Uh, there are different examples where you have a, a, a holster sewn into the, the clothing, and those are all great, but you need to train in those because the the harder it is, uh, the, the deeper the concealment, the longer it takes for you to reach that fire. Correct. And that takes training.
0: Right. And, 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 and even if you're in that training mode with your family and they are going to go ahead and place that 911 call, they mm-hmm. should also... Keep in mind that when they dial 911 and they speak to the operator, they want to go straight to the source because this this event's going to happen real quick. So they got to give the description of the loved one, like you said, Mm -hmm. what's occurring, and where your location is, of course, because you need the Mm -hmm. officers out there as fast as possible. But you Mm -hmm. also want to leave the line open. Mm, correct. So that information is part of the evidence of that case or whatever the, the recording picks up.
1: Correct. And that's a really important because the, uh, whether the officer themselves leave the line open or your significant other, if they're close enough and they leave the line open, regardless, just like you said, they they, they, catch, they record the dialogue. And and it's important that way you can you can quantify. I'm sorry, you can verify that you uh, follow your whatever policy your state or your agency uh, uh, delineates. Uh, your verbal commands: uh, s- stop, uh, drop the weapon, uh, don't proceed any further, or I will be forced to to use deadly uh, use, uh, use force. Whatever whatever verbal commands is appropriate in your region, uh, and you're trained with. It's really that's a great point. You want to keep 911 on so you can uh, quantify that. Say yes. Look, I gave this person verbal commands. However, they failed to respond, and that's why I had, and let's say for example, I had to discharge my weapon because they didn't uh, drop the knife or they didn't drop the gun, and I was in fear of death of serious bodily injury. And you can and you can uh, back up your statements by having you know the jury or whomever listening to the recording hear you provide the verbal commands before you take action
0: yeah I, I i agree and and you 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 want to also know that that information that they pick up on the recorder is important uh, during a homicide case what the detectives are going to look for is the three elements which is ability opportunity and intent and if they don't have of. A video recording of this but they do have an audio recording it helps them conclude hey the are or the or the retired officer or the person carrying concealed is given verbal command is actually telling them don't come any closer so there is a threat they are closing the gap so that ability and that opportunity is there and then if uh, uh, you know the guy goes to pull out his gun or or whatever it is That uh, he says, uh, don't do it. You know that means that there was intent for bodily harm. So you're you're closing that case for those homicide detectives a lot sooner.
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh, Say in New Jersey, for example, you have to be uh, proved that you were in imminent danger or in fear of death or serious bodily injury. That's how we define it up here. And uh, so that's exactly like your point. So you can you can quantify that. But uh, with the uh, allowing whomever parties are, are are privy to hearing the recording, that you can quantify. Yes, I was in fear of death, serious bodily injury, because the individual did not follow my verbal commands and my 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 attempt at const- what we 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 call constructive authority with true. the verbal commands. So it, right, that's that's so true. The 911 recordings are key. Are key. Uh, police officer on duty have the body cams now. However, with, if you're off duty or if a retired officers or anyone pretty much with a carrying permit, the 911 call can be instrumental in helping you out in court.
0: All right, let's uh, roll into two more subjects that I think are are important. Number one, training with your actual duty carry rounds opposed to your practice rounds and maintaining and cleaning your weapon on a regular basis. How important is all that?
1: Extremely important. Um, let's go. Let's touch basically the, the rounds. The we all practice with our you know full metal jackets till till the cows come home. We buy the, the cheapest. You know how we cops are. We buy the cheapest brand of practice, right? Yeah, yeah we're um, watch. And uh, it's inexpensive, which is fine. And and, and it should, the gun will shoot all day. However, for individuals that carry hollow points, the the, the one is one important. is something very important to know is that there are some firearms that become finicky with certain brands of hollow points yes. i'm not an engineer i'm not a mechanic i don't know what, necessarily why these things happen it could be the how, how the, the hollow the whatever specific brand how the hollow point tip tapers i'm not sure but there are certain guns that do not digest certain brands of hollow points in the most efficient way and they'll jam so my point is is that for those individuals that carry hollow points um, especially off-duty, I always recommend to, a, to a shoot off certain brands. So buy a box of this, a box of that, a box of this. And not only different brands, but different grains or different weights of the bullets, and practice with your firearm to see which one it prefers.
0: Correct. And you want to also uh, measure the grouping. So grouping Correct. for those that don't know what it is, as you're shooting at a target, let's say at uh, seven yards, you want to try to get those rounds as close as possible together. Mm-hmm. So the closer exactly. the rounds, that's grouping. So that ammo might be a lot better for you and that weapon, if you get a kind of tight group.
1: Exactly. So that right. So it, it, it proves the exact. It's a, it's a great point you made, and it proves the exact same point, where certain uh, firearms, for whatever reason, uh, will, will will work better with certain brands of ammunition. But pra- but it's different than practice ammo. So you can practice for proficiency with practice. I mean, that's great. And shoot a couple of hundred rounds, but shooting a couple of hundred rounds of hollow points gets expensive. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so, so the key is get really proficient, but buy a box of this and a box of that just to make sure that which hollow points are more accurate uh, and which will function better in whichever weapon you carry.
0: And you also want to uh, check out the shelf life on your duty carry rounds. See what it is. Let's say oh, yes. you say, "Well, oh, yes. I'm going to change them out once a year." Then go ahead, shoot That's your duty rounds. That's
1: what we did in my department once a year.
0: Yeah, get rid of those duty rounds and buy a new fresh box. Throw it in there. Get in the habit yes. of doing that every year.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. That's what my department did every year. We, we, uh, when the officer qualify uh, within the, in, in the year, we would give them a new box of ammo uh, mm-hmm. of duty rounds because uh, it, it's safer. It, it's safer that way. Yeah, you know, you're getting a fresh product.
0: And the last thing I want to talk about, well, we want to get into maintenance as well, but one of the things I want to talk about is know how many rounds you're carrying. So if you have one or two magazines on you, what's your full load? Let's say seven and seven, that's 14. So you know that you could have shot 14 rounds. And you you want to know, you want to be mindful of what uh-huh. you're carrying because God forbid it happens your tr- your trigger finger is going to be moving so fast you're not going to know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge advocate of that. I mean, um, do not be that individual that just has a five shot revolver and they don't carry any extra mag. I'm sorry, extra um, ammunition. Right. You know, you you want to make sure uh, that, that that is contingent on your your uh, procedures and when you carry for concealed. Okay, I have the firearm. Now, where am I going to carry my extra mags? And that's something, and where am I going to put them uh, on my body? Those yeah. are things that are a must because you, you, I'm a huge advocate. Do not just carry the firearm with only the mag in the gun as your only ammunition source. Correct. You need to carry other magazines or other speed loaders if you carry a revolver.
0: Yeah, believe it or not, there people who still carry speed loaders. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: They've gotten a lot better than the old days. You know, yes. If that little clip in the back didn't work properly, you had rounds all over the floor. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll uh-huh. have the strip. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then you would have,
0: well, if you were on the range, you'd have people that want to bend forward and start picking them up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what exactly. a
0: target. You can kick them right in the back of the pants there. What are you doing, goof?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now
0: we're, we're going to dive into cleaning and maintenance. Very important. I know if Pistol <laughs> Pete, we're on here and i'd ask him pete uh how many times should i clean and maintain my gun he would tell you every day
1: yes but yes. for
0: for the regular joe every day might be a little bit of a stretch but how important is this cleaning and maintenance of that weapon and why would you do, want to do it
1: it's essential you want your weapon to function properly and there if the weapon is dirty it uh especially with prolonged firing especially if you're training come back from training it might not cycle the right way and it causes a malfunction and it could be a deadly error you're done you're finished yeah Uh, you want you want to make sure that your slide goes back and forth that there's some type of viscosity with that weapon so as soon every time i shoot whatever i don't care if it's qualification i don't care if it's training even if it's a few rounds uh because i'm training somebody else that i want to shoot my weapon first i find it very important and, 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 a, and a safe protocol safety protocol that when you clean your weapon every time you discharge it whatever i don't care if it's five or ten rounds or if it's 300 it doesn't matter you need to clean your weapon at that that day that you used it right. yeah uh, also if you carry you get lint in uh, uh, and, and the firearm, if you have, probably, you know, if you carry it every day, especially, especially if you carry a small gun on your ankle holster, to tend to get dirtier faster. And um, another thing you want to do—it is something that I, I read an article about it. And unfortunately, I don't remember off the top of my head uh, where I read it. Uh, there was an individual that used the, the, your typical orange dummy rounds for training. Uh, I think they were doing uh, uh, reloading drills. And they were doing it, doing it, doing it over and over again. So then they disassembled their weapon, loaded a round in there. They went to qualify with that that weapon, and it didn't fire. And the round didn't go off. And he charged another round, didn't go off. So he took the slide apart. He took the gun apart, looked at the slide, looked at the the pinhole for the, with the firing pin. What happened was, he, did, unbeknownst to him, during his practice, the 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 the, the fake round, the, the dummy round, mm-hmm. a, a piece of plastic chipped off and plugged the firing pinhole. Jeez. And look, and he luckily he found out while he was reco- mm-hmm. right. So that's why, if he would have cleaned his firearm, even during dummy round practice, he would have noticed that plug. Hopefully.
0: Yes. Yeah, uh, like my uh, old range master used to say, always know the status of your weapon.
1: Absolutely. And that's a great verb. That's a great adage. I like
0: that. And basically, you know, how many rounds do you have? Uh, I, w- I would do uh, a check of the weapon by basically, even though it's loaded, let's say you have it loaded in your house, you have it loaded inside yourself, you're going to go out, open up the safe, take the weapon out, remove the magazine, take that one out of the chamber and reload it again. Because especially on a semi-automatic, it's spring-loaded. So the, these weapons are basically, it is a form of mechanics. You exactly. want to make sure that that spring is, is reactivated and ready to go. That exactly. That it's not in any other position. I had that happen to me once on the range, and I'm shooting my duty weapon, and we're practicing as instructors, and we're shooting at a pretty fast pace, and all of a sudden, a click, 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 and I'm trying to figure out what's wrong, and this was my last magazine, so I'm, I'm removing the magazine, inserting it again, and I had not noticed uh, that the spring had broken off on the magazine. Really? The, inside the wow. magazine.
1: Follower, yeah, follower, so, yeah. Oh, so, wow.
0: And, and, and I was just so focused on what I was doing, so... I, oh, and by the way, Pistol P came to the rescue that day, too, as always.
1: <laughs> that's great <laughs>
0: so we, we've looked at a lot of aspects on how to carry one of the things I want to talk about is uh, you the listener if you have a cell phone your cell phone is a part of your carry Yeah. we did talk about the 911 now on your strong hand your support whether you're righty or lefty whatever it is that cell phone should be on the opposite side because your support hand may, may be a part of that event. Of course, if the shooting Correct. happens, you don't have time, but hopefully, uh, if that's not the case, you might have time. You think something's gonna happen, you wanna have that phone. Even if you can't talk into it, you wanna dial 911, and leave the line
1: open correct that's very true because you want your support hand free and you definitely I, I make that a habit too my cell phone always goes on my support side because my, my my gun side is always going to be occupied in a stressful situation you know a, a situation like that where, you, where my firearm is drawn my, my gun my, my weapon arm my strong arm a strong hand is going to be occupied so you definitely the, the magazine the magazines and my cell phone all go on my support side that's what i do
0: right And as my old range master used to say, when he used to watch us as range instructors going to the supermarket that brings things back to the range and we were carrying it in our strong hand, he would say, why are you carrying it in your strong hand? Put that bag in your other hand because your strong hand has to be ready at all times. Exactly. That's that's a part of your situational awareness. So keep that in mind, too. I'm going to the groceries. My guns on my yep. right and I'm carrying a bag on my right. Well I can't grab a gun with a with a bag in my hand. So you want to transition that to your left.
1: That's what I do. I carry my bags or whatever, I go shopping, whatever. Everything's on my support side. Everything. Because I always want my, my, my strong side free in case I have to draw my weapon. Yes, that's absolutely that's absolutely true. Yes, absolutely.
0: And I think the best thing that we can advocate on how to carry is training. And you said it early on today, train, train, and train some more. And just do not be satisfied with the fact that, okay, I got my gun permit. I paid whatever it was, and I showed a little bit of proficiency. I'm good. I think I'll do this again in 30 years. Get involved <laughs> right. in, some, in some more advanced training. because Absolutely. The more proficient Absolutely. you are, the better you chances you have of surviving. Ain't, isn't that right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you can even, I mean, you can even train at home or in a safe area, obviously, make sure you have an empty firearm or use a dummy run. I'm sorry, a, a dummy gun, like an ask gun or something like that. But you can even, uh, when it just training for drawing from concealment, you can do that at home uh, under, under certain under safe situations, make sure the firearm is empty, make sure you point in a safe direction, or, or you, like I said, using a dummy gun. But it, it's as long as you get that reflex. As long as you get that reflex and where to reach for the gun, where you typically carry it—strong side, fanny pack, whatever—but training, training, training. So you don't necessarily have to wait to go to the range. You can actually do that at home under the under the appropriate safe conditions.
0: Correct, and and you have to be ready for that event. Mm -hmm. And and as I said in my last podcast on the why, the why is a mindset. So you have to really define you, the listener. You have to define why you're carrying in the first place, and. The forefathers of this country gave us the Second Amendment and they chose us specifically as the militia. So that's right. you have a big responsibility with that weapon, not only in training, carrying it, but definitely how to use it. And so it's just not that one act of saying, oh, I like that one. It has a little handle. I'll buy that one.
1: Exactly. There's
0: much more that's entailed in that. And, uh, you know, responsible gun ownership is everything.
1: Absolutely, it's contingent on uh, on the individual to be the responsible gun owner, uh, because we're the ones that set the standard. Uh, we're the ones that set the example, and, and when when we do something erroneous or something bad, and it, it doesn't look good for the, uh, ju- on the general public, it doesn't look good. It puts a bad light on on, on, on uh, law-abiding gun owners. Right. It, it, it's very it's very important because we represent uh, as as law-abiding gun owners. We have to set the example. As always,
0: finger off the trigger, never point at anything that you don't intend to shoot. And be at the ready with training, training, training. I think we've covered a lot. I'm sure that there are people out there will have an extra list saying they didn't cover this. They didn't cover
1: that. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But in
0: actuality, we could probably have another forty episodes on this on this one subject. Everything boils down to you, the listener. How far do you want to be proficient in it? It's like Kilo Sierra knows he's taking martial arts. Imagine if you took one class and then as you mm-hmm. walk down the street, I'm, you know, master Kung Fu, master yeah. karate man with one class. No, it has to be a discipline of very uh, many classes for you to get to a specific level. We never master anything, but... We have to reach a higher level each time we train.
1: Absolutely. Keep on striving for better, for better, doing better, doing, being more proficient, uh, being more accurate, uh, drawing drawing faster. Uh, it's all training, 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 because you want it to be a, a reflex. That, that's the key. You want it to be, you, you want, we don't want to think about it. In the sense of uh, because that that half a second or that one second, it's reactionary, just like you pointed out early on the show, we pretty much we are reacting to a deadly force situation right. or, or a deadly th- deadly threat, and we need to be as proficient as possible in drawing that firearm. Correct. Absolutely.
0: So uh, we hope that you've gained you've gained a lot of knowledge on this series, and especially with the how. We have been so fortunate to have our registered expert in Kilo Sierra. We bring you these things because we know what is entailed in carrying concealed. And because we were, off, we were officers at one time, we're retired now, we still carry, yes. we carry on an every day. And we think these things through and also because we're trained and proficient in the art of weaponry. That's right. So any any last closing remarks you have?
1: The, uh, just that those individuals that carry, it, it's incumbent on, on, on them, to it's, a, uh, it's their responsibility to seek training. Uh, you, you made a really good point before. Don't just get a carrying permit and expect that you, you're going to turn into a Superman or Bruce Lee uh, just because you have a carrying permit. That's not the point. The point is that's just the beginning. Having that... Yes, it's good that the individuals, you know, they, they, they have a carrying permit. That's a huge responsibility now. It's incumbent on them to make sure that, yes, I have the weapon, I have the carrying permit. Now it's my responsibility uh, to, to be uh, uh, proficient with this firearm because my life could depend on it or the people I'm with, their lives could depend on it or the people I'm protecting, their lives depend on it. So it's a huge responsibility that you need to take seriously.
0: And if you're listening and you're thinking about uh, getting involved in carrying concealed and getting trained, seek a qualified instructor in the area that you live in, whether yes. they're NRA instructors or their former police officers, and in some cases, even military. Correct. I encourage you because you need to lift yourself at a higher standard every time you train.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Kilo, thank you very much for being on the show. We are truly blessed always to have you as our one of our superheroes here on Raider Cotton Nation.
1: <laughs> I'm very humble. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure uh, discussing these topics with you, and I look forward to more interviews.
0: a great episode to close out the series and the segment on concealed carry we have been blessed to have some really great guests during that series and we brought a lot of elements uh, to you with regards to that responsibility of carry we want you to to learn from it and hopefully there's many elements of or episode that you can throw in your toolbox of knowledge and you can carry it with you. Episode number 75, Concealed Carry, Who, What, Where, When, Why, and How, is concluded. And, you know, we encourage you to continue to be mentored here on radio Cop Nation. We have many, many shows coming up on Weaponry and you definitely will be lifted, and fulfilled with some of that knowledge. Now, unfortunately, uh, on our closing notes, we do have some brothers in law enforcement that we have to recognize that have succumbed to their injuries, and it's always a painful process, but this is what law enforcement is all about. These are the individuals that don't run away from the fire from the firefight they run towards it and that says a whole lot for a person and and their courageous spirit so we have deputy uh, sheriff ray earlwin horn the third from the cormel county sheriff's office in texas police officer sean paul tudor from the Mobile Police Department in Alabama. Supervisory Deputy of the United States Marshal Norman D. Markwell, United States Department of Justice. Deputy Sheriff Joshua Brian Rear Jr. of the Glasscock County Sheriff's Office in Georgia. Corporal Shane Toddy of the Baton Rouge Police Department in Louisiana, Border Patrol Agent Donna Doss, United States Department of Homeland Security, and lastly, Detective William Lee Brewer, Claremont County Sheriff's Office in Ohio. All gave everything by giving up their life and for their service to their country, to their community. They believed in the cause of wearing a badge and what that stood for them, and what it stands for us. So we we are forever grateful to them for their service and their family. Remember, as always, you can continue being in contact with us through our Twitter account, which is Raider uh, at the at sign Raider Cop Nation. And there, uh, We usually post information regarding upcoming shows or shows that we have, and that would uh, allow you to, to follow through with what we're doing. As always, it has been my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Radar Cop Nation. We know that these are difficult times, and we are preparing you, the listener, for that difficult time with the little bit of knowledge that we can give back. We hope that you've enjoyed this series of Concealed Carry. And we know, we know that there's much more to give if as long as you are an avid listener, you will gain that knowledge. There's nothing you can never walk away from and say, I didn't learn anything. You'll always learn something on Radio Cop Nation. As always, God bless you, God bless the community that you live in, and God bless the agency that serves you. But most importantly, always remember, God bless the United States of America. Through the night, this is Alpha through the Mike, signing off. From above.